You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Welcome to the Housing for the Aged Action Group show, Raise the Roof, here on 3CR, 8.55am, or via the 3CR webpage, uh, or your RSS feed, or iTunes. However you are listening to us today, welcome to the show. My name is Shane, and Fiona, my co-host, joins us today from East Gippsland. How's it going, Fiona? Yep. Ring of Steel is down. Good on you, Melbourne. Got rid of COVID, and we're all able to enjoy the beautiful spring sunshine again. Um, get out and about, get our hair cut. Pretty good. A haircut. It was. I finally got my hair cut after so many months. Now I just look beautiful again. Uh, very excited for, yes, the, the, summer, the summer weather. I refuse to accept that it's spring. Um, and the delight of being allowed outside, I guess. It's really lovely. So what have we got for the show this week, Shane? So we just wanted to do a bit of a roundup of some recent news and, and information about uh, housing stuff in Victoria. Um, the Age ran a pretty big story this week about public and social housing. Uh, and I think, Fiona, you were going to start out talking a little bit about that. Yeah. What did so, the Age have to say? So it was good to see that the Age and the Guardian are trying to put the spotlight on the Victorian government's lack of investment in social housing. Um, And the new article that came out this week featured one of our clients um, whose name is Marta. And she had been, um, she had a a chronic illness which forced her out of work. And like many older people that come to our service, she ended up having to um, sleep in her car and live in really unsuitable housing through no fault of her own, just because of a bad series of circumstances. And she's been sitting on the wait list for some time. Um, and as this article points out, the wait list for public and community housing in Victoria has blown out considerably over the last number of years since the Victorian um, Housing Register was created. So according to this... Uh, and blow, blown out from an already huge number, right? Exactly. Like we're not, we're not talking about it was working well and then it blew out. That's right. It was a disaster and then it blew out. Yeah. So when the Victorian Housing Register was first started back in 2016, there were 33,000 people on the wait list. And now that's gone up to 45,600 people. And the age rightly points out that um, Victoria has the lowest proportion of social housing in Australia. So only 3.2% of Victoria's housing stock is social housing. And that's well below the national average. So we'd like to think of ourselves in Victoria as fairly progressive people and, um, you know, a bit ahead of the curve in terms of some, you know, good social policies. But you can see by this that really we are falling down terribly um, as a result of years and years of lack of investment. 
Of course, the federal government is continuously offloading and avoiding all of their responsibilities in this area as well, and in many other areas too. They seem to be a pattern of consistently saying, this is not our problem, this is something that the states have to do. Um, and again, with, with community housing and public housing, they're um, not providing any investment either. Yeah, so the, the article is called I Had to Sleep in the Car, Crisis Puts Social Housing Back on the Agenda by Jewel Topsfield. Um, definitely worth having a read if you're interested. It's up there on the AGE website. Um, or, and a, quite a lot, as the headline suggests, quite a lot of the emphasis is on the possibility of using public and social housing as a kind of economic stimulus. Um, because of course, if you build housing, uh, you not only provide housing for people who need it, um, you also provide jobs for people who need those. Mm. Um, so it's kind of win-win. Uh, and they quote, you know, economists and, and people like that to, to that effect. The, um, was there other stuff in the article that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, People, listeners may know that we have a, um, an outreach service that's based in metropolitan Melbourne, but we also have um, a, an outreach worker down in the Barwon region, which stretches from Geelong all the way down to Warrnambool. And I found it really interesting to see that the priority um, access wait list in regional areas, the worst place in terms of increasing demand was the Barwon Geelong region which has jumped up 229%. Um, so that's a really um, interesting statistic. And you can see that there's a perception, I guess, a lot of the time that things are maybe a little bit better in the country in terms of um, housing. But if you look at the statistics in this article, you can see that there's really significant increase in wait times. And that again is due to just a lack of housing stock um, with people waiting and waiting and waiting for years um, in some regional areas. There was also, yeah, that, I was just going to also go mention they talk about the housing renewal program in this article as well, which was um, the idea of that was that they would be knocking over old public housing and replacing it with a mix of private housing and public housing that would um, provide a 10% increase. But unfortunately, um, as, as I think her name, what's her name? She's quoted here. Yeah, Dr. Shaw from the University of Melbourne. Um, she says that this model is fatally flawed. We do not need more private housing built on public land. We need more public housing built on public land. And ideally there would be an ongoing state commitment to recurrent annual expenditure on construction and maintenance of public and community housing with significant federal funding. And of course, and I mean that's what that's what. Sorry, have I cut you off? No. They, um, I mean that's what public tenants, in particular, and other housing activists have been saying all along. Um, you know, what the idea that knocking down public housing and building more private units where it was is going to somehow improve the the state's social housing capacity was just in, incredibly flawed, and we've seen fierce resistance from very staunch public tenants um, to to try and block it and you know improve those schemes. And you can check out the Save Public Housing um, website for more information about those nine housing estates and the efforts of the tenants to protect their community from developers and having that land sold off. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, Matt, you know, it doesn't take a, a, an expert or a genius to work out that knocking down public housing is not the way to improve or increase public housing. The um, 
the article also quotes, or quotes, talks about um, Premier Andrews' 2018 promise to build a thousand new public housing properties by the end of 2022. Um, Fiona, I think you alluded to this before, but recently The Guardian reported uh, that Victoria has built less than 10% of that target. Um, that the Victorian government has built only 57 of the 1,000 new public housing units it pledged by 2022. Um, the taking so long. Why can't they get? Well, this what's taking so long is that they are committed to the practice of, of many decades of underinvesting in public housing, which has been the practice of, of both sides of politics. Um, the encouraging signs that this is going to turn around are that you know it's kind of reaching an undeniable crisis point, or you would think so, that we have a, a very significant and effective movement of public housing activists and especially public tenants at the moment, uh, and that the recession stemming from the, the corona pandemic, um, you know, is making it clear that there's a, a real need for, for stimulus. And one of the main forms of stimulus, of course, is infrastructure or, you know, bricks and mortar kind of building, like we were talking about before. Um, I guess in the past, that hasn't exactly worked out how we would like it to have worked out. And the article mentions, um, you know, during the financial crisis in 2008, there was a $5.2 billion uh, housing package from the Rudd government um, to build social housing units and refurbish social housing units. Um, but they also quote uh, Brendan Coates from the Grattan Institute, um, talking about the way the scheme, or the NRAS scheme, the National Rental Affordability Scheme, paid incentives to developers and community housing organisations to build new homes and rent them out for a fixed period at below market rate. Uh, and he says that research by the Grattan Institute estimated the scheme provided windfall gains to investors of at least $1 billion. Um, so when we talk about stimulus, we mean, we mean money in the pockets of working people, the people who need it, uh, pensioners, um, we don't mean money in the proper pockets of developers and, you know, large housing organisations. And lining the pockets of landlords yet again. Yet so, again. Um, the government just needs to build public housing. It's not rocket science. It's pretty easy. So we, are, uh, we might go to a song in a minute. Last week you requested Shane, Tori Amos. So, um, yeah, let's listen, listen, listeners, I've been struggling for control of the of the ox cord for this show for, for many months now, and you've been subjected to Fiona's taste in music. I decided it was time to step in. Uh, and after, you know, six months locked inside, unable to leave my house, only Tori Amos made sense anymore. So enjoy. City, City Limits. Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City Limits. G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on your dial. So that was Cornflake Girl by Tori Amos. I hope you enjoyed that one, Shane. I hope that all of our listeners enjoyed it after so long subjected again to your, your <laughs> musical tastes. Uh, this is 
3CR, 8.55am, you are listening to Raise the Roof, not the Shane and Fiona bicker about music hour. Um, we are talking about housing issues in Victoria. Uh, I just wanted to mention briefly uh, an article that came out on Inside Story this week, last week, um, by Peter Mayers called A Free Lunch for Low Income Renters. Basically reporting on some research from Ahuri, which is the Australian Housing and Urban Research Institute. They do quite a lot of uh, broadly progressive kind of research about the Australian housing uh, market system, all, all those kinds of things. Um, and it's about rent assistance and whether rent assistance could better help people. So uh, many 3CR listeners are going to know that rent assistance is a bit of a, a dog's breakfast at the moment. Um, it's an inadequate supplemental payment to welfare payments um, that's supposed to help basically help welfare recipients to avoid rental stress, uh, meaning spending more than 30% of your disposable income on housing. Um, what the article says is, uh, first of all, that rent assistance hasn't kept up with, uh, with the actual cost of housing, which is a kind of a no-brainer with the out-of-control housing and rent prices uh, all across Australia. Um, but also, and the part that was quite surprising to me, is that some relatively well-off uh, welfare recipients, sorry, this sounds, this sounds like I'm going to go into a like doll bludgers living it up type rant from the Herald Sun, but I <laughs> promise to spare with me, it's, it's going to turn out okay. Um, but people will get receiving family tax benefit can receive rent assistance. Um, and what Mayor's writes is that depending on the child's age, households with one child and an income of up to almost $80,000 a year may qualify for Part A payments above the base rate and therefore qualify for rent assistance. Wow. In a household with two children, the income limit and the linked eligibility for rent assistance can rise to almost $97,000. Um, Conversely, he also points out that, of course, rent assistance isn't available if you're a low-income worker. So if you're not receiving a welfare payment, but you are receiving, you know, gig economy wages, minimum wage, something like that, um, you are very likely in housing stress in the, the rental markets, especially in places like Melbourne or Sydney, uh, but you won't receive any rent assistance. Um, he talks a bit about some of the, the kind of thorny constitutional issues that might come up if the government was to try and remedy that. And of course, the political struggle that would be faced by a government that proposed to cut back welfare benefits to families on 80 grand, uh, who of course uh, love their welfare and hate it for everyone else, typically. Um, but yeah, a, a really interesting article. He apparently, Ahuri calculated that shifting things in this way, so everyone with a low income, regardless of whether that's wages or welfare, um, if everyone in the, those categories could receive rent assistance, um, if it was targeted to actual need, um, and if it was you know, restricted so that people on higher incomes wouldn't receive it, uh, the government would actually save $1.2 billion a year, um, wow. which obviously is quite considerable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a, a really interesting article if you wanna have a read, it's called A Free Lunch for Low-Income Renters on Inside Story. Um, the free, free lunch, I guess, being that the government can better support poor people while also saving money. Um, not really clear the government considers that a free lunch. They'd rather support CEOs, uh, support landlords, but but definitely worth a read. Um, Fiona, did you want to talk about our annual general meeting, which is coming up? Yeah, we're having our very first online annual general meeting um, next Thursday at 11 o'clock. 
So if you're a HAG member, we of course um, strongly encourage you to come along. And even if you're not just a supporter and want to find out what's been going on, um, please, please attend. It's going to be a bit of an experiment. We've had two general meetings this year so far online and they've been fairly successful. Um, of course, if you've got concerns about how to join a Zoom meeting, um, you don't necessarily need a computer or a laptop or an iPad. You can dial in using an ordinary landline and just listen in. You won't be able to see us, but you'll be able to hear us. And we're more than happy to talk you through how to do that if you would like to come along. Um, so as well as the business of an AGM, which everyone must be familiar with by now, um, we are launching a couple of new things. Um, one is some research that our, um, our lovely worker Claire has been doing for about a year now, where she's comparing the experiences of public housing and community housing tenants in terms of how their rent is set, how they find out about what their landlords are doing, um, how to get repairs, and then comparing really importantly the legislative frameworks around those two types of housing because there's a lot of confusion out there in the community around the differences between having the landlord as the government or having the landlord as a community housing provider so claire's done some lovely research there which we'll be talking about on the day and the other thing that we'll be launching is um, the collation of the stories from the national alliance of seniors for housing um, We've been collecting people's stories of housing stress and their housing journeys from older people from across the country um, for a number of years now. And we will be launching a little book that has all of these stories in them. Um, and some of these stories illustrate the systemic issues that we've been talking about today. Um, the lack of investment in public housing, leaving people with little choice about where to go the NRAS scheme and how that's working for people in other states, particularly in Queensland, which has the highest level of NRAS in the country, and it's all coming to an end shortly. And the changing of public housing into um, private and community housing in Sydney, which has destroyed lots of really good public housing communities over the last number of years. They're a little bit further down the track in that housing renewal up there. Um, so we have some great stories and really interesting detail about how people's life circumstances can just randomly change and they can find themselves in housing stress in later life. Um, so that book will be getting launched next Thursday at 11 o'clock as part of our AGM. So yeah, check out our website, which is oldertenants.org.au or you can give us a call at the office. Shane, what's, what's the phone number? You know that I can- uh, you can call number. us. I, I think all of, our, all of our regular listeners know that very well. Uh, the number is 9654-7389 uh, or 1300-765-178. Um, we'll give those numbers out again right at the end of the show if you need to get a pen or, or something. 3CR, here to stay. It's NAIDOC week. So we thought we should um, definitely talk about the housing issues for older um, Aboriginal Australians. So NAIDOC week is, um, is a week that is really led by the Aboriginal communities across Australia. Um, and it's a, it's a time where, um, where people like to, you know, think about the land, the unceded stolen land that they're on and some of the issues. Um, and also of course the resilience and strength of Aboriginal people from across the country. And today I'm actually 
not in the Kulin Nation for the first time in a long time. I'm up in Bidwell country, um, which is lovely and lovely to be here. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we really, um, there's some pretty alarming statistics around the status of older Aboriginal people and housing. There's a really low rate of home ownership and a really high rate of homelessness amongst those populations. And so it's something that we at HAG really need to be doing more about, I believe. Um, and there's been some research that's come out recently that says that one in four clients of specialist homelessness services are Indigenous or Aboriginal Australians. Um, so that's a, a quarter, it's pretty high. Um, and it just goes to show how high the demand is um, and how long-term the issue is for housing. And only 30% of Aboriginal people own their own homes. And we know that um, a lack of home ownership can lead people into um, finding themselves in trouble in later life, if, particularly if they're in private rental. Um, and of those people who are renting, 39% are in rental stress. Um, which is consistent with what we hear all the time with older people living on the pension or job seeker um, and trying to pay exorbitant amounts of rent every week. So yeah, Shane, do you want to give out our contact details again? Yeah, so if anybody wants to get in touch with us, um, either to talk about some of the issues we've been raising, to find out more about the AGM or otherwise getting involved in the organisation, um, or because you're an older person in Victoria with a housing problem or wanting just some more information about housing options, um, you can give us a call on 9654 7389 or 1300 768 178 um, or uh, you can find our website, oldertenants.org.au. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, all over the social media. Surely Instagram next, um, Snapchat, who knows? The sky's the limit. Um, I think that's all we have time for this, this episode. Yeah. Um, so Fiona, I will hand back over to your musical taste to Yay. lead us out of the show. Yay. So we're going to hear from um, a, a woman called Alice Skye. And she's a Wurgia Wemba woman from Western Victoria. And I really love this song. Um, it's called Friends with Feelings. And so, yep, let's go out with that now. <laughs>